these them for your glory and for your honors. We give them from our hearts of joy. In Jesus' name, amen. Last night I lay sleeping, there came a dream so fair. I stood in old Jerusalem beside the voice of angels from heaven and answer
I thought my dream was changed The streets no longer rang Hushed were the glad hosannas The little children sang The sun grew dark with mystery The morn was cold and chill As the shadow of a cross arose Upon a lonely hill As the shadow of a cross arose Upon a lonely hill Jerusalem, Jerusalem Hark how the
you'll come together with me in prayer as we bring before the Lord many of those that we know struggling. Father God, we thank you for this beautiful day. We thank you for this great celebration that we can have in our hearts today with you because of what you've done for us. So undeserving, and yet because of your love, you reached down to us and you came in bodily form. You experienced everything we go through and all the temptations yet without sin. And then you went to the cross, the perfect Lamb of God, to sacrifice for our sins. And we are so grateful, God, for the power that you emanated in conquering all those sins and paying for those. Your justice was satisfied. That needed to be satisfied for our sins and our guilt. And you have wiped them away in Jesus Christ's blood. We are so grateful. And we thank you, Father God, for the opportunity that we have to bring before you the saints that are struggling and for those who don't know the Lord but are struggling. We pray, Father God, for our shut-ins. We think of Bill and Evelyn and Lucille and Karen and Kay. We lift them up, Lord, as they're staying at home because they can't get out because of health issues. We pray, Father God, too, for those who are battling some cancer in their lives and some other health issues, Father. I think of Todd, who's battling a heart situation that may even have to get a transplant. Clear up his fluid and give the doctor's wisdom. I pray for his wife, Angie, and also, too, for Samantha, and also, too, Lord, um, an, another friend that has cancer, Father, that she's battling right now. Be with them. Bring healing to them. We know you have that power. That you rose from the dead, and we know you have the healing power to take that cancer from their bodies. I praise you too, Lord, for a friend who had um, <clears throat> a heart issue. And I just pray for um, Jason Stevens, Lord, that you'll continue to bring healing to him and that he can get back to work. We thank you yesterday too, Lord, on the west side here that no one was injured and that somebody was apprehended right in our Dillon store. We thank you, Lord, for protection in that. We pray also too, Father God, for those who battle addictions. We thank Lord of Ryan and Jordan and David and Eric and Ricky and Mitch who are under the bondage, Lord, and they need to look to you for their deliverance. I praise you, Father God, too, for the joys that we're going to share today with many of us and our families, celebrating your coming to earth and dying for us and giving us eternal life. I just pray that they will be filled with laughter and joy and people will just enjoy one another and bask in the beauty of what you've done for us. And I pray, Father God, too, for this country. You know what's going on. We pray for revival in the church. I pray for the church to get on board with the Word and I pray for the church to do what it's supposed to do is to stand tall and proclaim values and morals and to talk about you and converting other souls to Christ and to change this world and do like the disciples did back in Rome. 
when it was said of them that they turned the world upside down. I just pray that for the church of Jesus Christ to do that. Now, Father God, as we come to your word, bring comfort and strength and hope for all of us, Jesus. And show us, Lord, what we need to hear. I pray everyone here has a different thing, a different mindset. But I know that you can bring about the answers we need in life. The things that we need to deal with. And how we need to deal with it in the power of the resurrection, Christ, as your children. Now, thank you for this moment today, Lord, that we can share this time. In Jesus' name, amen. When I was in college, I was home on a winter break. And my brother and I were sitting in our living room. Our house was not very big at the time. It was a very small, it was a two-bedroom house when uh, we had five people living in that two-bedroom house. But it was interesting that I slept on the sun porch. And that night, my brother and I, mom and dad were gone. And my brother was in high school. And my sister had just gotten married. And if you know anything about their story and what God has delivered, brought them through, my brother-in-law um, was a paraplegic. He had cancer uh, early on in his life, and he wound up being a paraplegic. And got a degree as an engineer and then went to New York and worked for a couple of years before he died. And my sister had just been married to him and she knew enough not to go to their home because she was being followed and stalked by a guy after she was at some function. And my brother and I were watching TV, of course, in our skivvies. <laughs> and uh, all of a sudden we hear honking of the horn in front of our house. And we bop up and we look out and there's my sister screaming, hitting the horn of her white duster. And there's a guy behind her and then he drives by. And we open up the front door and she says, this guy is following me. And so my brother and I, without any thought, start chasing him. Now, when you're in an emotional state, you don't think about pants and you're running after them like crazy. And we chased his car for about two blocks. And my brother, who was much faster than me, in fact, Peter, I'm like Peter, I'm a little slow. He's a, I'm a lineman, he's a running back, and he almost caught the guy. And thank God we didn't, because I may not be here. I might be still in prison. And what had happened was emotions kicked in because our sister was in serious trouble. And she needed our help. Well, today, we're going to see a very emotional sister in the Lord, Mary, who God is going to use to speak to us about the resurrection and about how she handled it. Mary was a great woman. And what we're going to find out and see John is very, very particular about what he says. You see, John, out of all the other Gospels, four, four Gospels, three of them are synoptics. And they talk about Jesus in the different situations. But John is a theologian. And he tells the story of Jesus differently. In fact, he even tells stories that they don't have that he has. 
And he tells them with some deep theological thought behind them. If you remember, and we'll, last week, we, if you notice here, a new morning dawns. And the reason why I titled this is because of John. Because, you see, it, early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark. Now, you might think, well, John's just stating the plain and simple. Yeah, he is. But there's a reason why he says this. Do you remember last week when Peter betrayed Jesus and he was by the fire and it said it was cold? It was indicating to us where the disciples at and especially Peter. His heart was cold to the Lord and he betrayed Jesus. In this passage, John is telling us something again about the time of the day. Notice it's early in the morning, while it's still dark. The disciples and Mary still were in the dark about Jesus. They had forgotten that he said, I will rise again. He told them several times, but they didn't get it. And here they are, and here she is, going through deep grief because she loved Jesus fully. In fact, many people believed that she was more loving and devoted than all the other disciples because of how she handled herself with Jesus. And that John is saying to us, they're still walking around in the darkness, but there's going to come a dawn. And they're going to realize what Jesus has done for them and for us. And so John is telling us, here it comes. They're going to wake up out of this stupor that they're in right now and not realizing what has happened to them and that they're going to realize that Christ has risen from the dead. And John is going to show us that this Mary Magdalene, who you would pick the last person to be the first spreader of the gospel, is the evangelist. And one of the things that we realize here right off the bat is that we affirm what Jesus is doing in her life. You see, Mary was somebody from nowhere. She was a wealthy woman, but there was a problem in her, and that is that she was demon-possessed. And that Jesus came along and she had not one demon, not five. She had seven demons, the perfect number of demons. And when Jesus met her, he spoke to her and he did an exorcism on her and that she became whole again. One of the things I want to belabor before we go, and it's a little rabbit trail, but I want to make sure everybody here is aware. That there is demon possession. We may, may not call it this way, but there are some who do. But there's also mental illness. And I want to encourage everyone. Because there are people who are silent sufferers in our world for mental illness. And they need the love of Jesus. And that we can't do the quick fix. And that's the tragedy. I remember in particular, and this is why it means so much to me here. And that's why I'm stopping here a minute and talking about it. 
Because I have friends that have wives or husbands that are mentally ill. And it's very, very tough. And it's an illness that people don't see on the outside. But the despair is in the home and in their hearts. Some even live on the edge of suicide. And I remember one time we had a little lady. She was single. We got to know her and came to our church and she lived alone. But because of mental illness in her life, she lost her job with USD 259. Her husband made sure of that because he also divorced her and made it so that her children went with him to another state and they would have nothing to do with her anymore. And then one of the biggest tragedies of all, you know, sometimes Christians, we can put our foots in our mouth and eat real well. And uh, the nice thing about it, they meant well. I don't know if you ever met somebody who's not educated about this stuff. But they can really mess up. And one person in particular meant well as a Christian, but says, well, you just need to think positively. They wish they could think positively. They are dealing with chemicals in their brain that they can't. I, and sadly, one day I was on chaplain duty and I got called to a house. And we had set her up in a home, a little mother-daughter thing, and one of our parishioners helped her out. And here she was. She had taken her life. I can remember another situation some of you have dealt with and are dealing with parents that have Alzheimer's. Even friends that may be young enough that are having Alzheimer's. And I can hear a person who went to college four years, taught 27 years, and said, well, all he needs to do is practice memory games. Now, if you've dealt with somebody who's got Alzheimer's, you know that. That's ridiculous. And so we need to have the sensitivity. Jesus had the sensitivity to Mary. He knew what was going on in her life. And that she was healed by him. And because she was healed by him, she was so overwhelmed that he relieved her of this. That she not only followed him devotedly, more than even the disciples, but she also helped with several other women bankroll his ministry because she was wealthy and she wanted to help him because she felt so believing in him. But as we see this morning, that depth of love and devotion to him brought her a brokenness. How she cried so great and how she at this time, we see that Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. And she ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple and the one whom Jesus loved, which is John. And she said, they have taken my Lord's body out of the tomb and we don't know where they put him. Here, Mary is not thinking resurrection, neither are the disciples. She's thinking some grave robbers came and stole Jesus from the tomb. She's got the information in her head that the tomb is empty, but she doesn't understand that he rose from the dead. 
Instead, she's thinking that his body's been stolen. Even with the evidence in the tomb that the robbers wouldn't have taken all his material off and picked up his body and walked out with it, but all the materials that were wrapped around Jesus, over 100 pounds of wrappings are laying there. And the face covering that he had was all folded up as if to say, I'm coming back. And you see, Mary doesn't see that. She doesn't see that the evidence matches him rising from the dead. And said, she feels guilty. And you see here, Mary was so devoted to Jesus. Not only was she there at the cross with his mother, affirming when the disciples ran except for John. And here she is at the burial of Jesus. And she's come on Sunday morning early because on the Sabbath ended Saturday night. And she went and bought spices because Friday night when Jesus was buried, they had to hurry and do it before sundown. And they didn't have enough spices and they didn't complete the job. And so here Mary is now coming Sunday morning to complete the job and care for Jesus whom she loves so dearly. And at this point, she sees the empty tomb. And notice what she says, where's the Lord? And the angels say to her, whom are you looking for? Not whom, but why are, why are you looking? And what are you looking for? And here she is, not getting it. And Mary, John and Peter had ran back. She had told the disciples that he had been stolen. And John, this eyewitness, gives us another beautiful theological embrace here. That it's unexpected that Jesus was risen. You know, some people will say, well, how do you know Jesus rose from the dead? Mary never even believed that it happened. She went to the tomb and saw the empty tomb and she couldn't believe it. And what she finds is the grave clothes, but that's it. And I don't know about you, but when we go through grief, there's a period of shock that you go through. And sometimes there are things that make no sense to you. Things that you could put together so easily. The other morning I was called out to a house where a woman woke up and found her husband dead in bed. And she was in a fog. And she said to me, I can't think. I said, honey, you were with this man for 50 years and you're in a fog. And it's understandable because you got a shock, a trauma to your brain, not to your body, but to your brain. And it's hard to put things rationally together. And here, Mary, she can't put things together that the grave clothes in, indicates that Jesus was risen. No, she's thinking that he was stolen. And she can't break through that darkness. And some people think, well, you know, the resurrection of Jesus is meant. No, it's not. The evidence shows internally that these people didn't believe it themselves. They didn't. They took the, 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 the investigation of what they found led up to his body being stolen. 
But then we see Jesus' helper break through that darkness. Because Mary was standing outside the tomb crying. And she wept. She stooped. She looked in. And she saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot in the place where Jesus' body was had been laying. And notice what they say, dear woman, why are you crying? <laughs> because they have taken my Lord. And I don't know where they have put him. And she turned to leave and saw someone standing there, and it was Jesus. But she didn't recognize him. Here, Mary, in her confusion, in her grief, doesn't recognize Jesus. And all the hopes that she had for Jesus are all now disappointment. She's broken inside. And Mary feels this grief. And she doesn't understand. She's missing it. Because she's not seeing what God is going to do here. How many times is it when you've had something happen in your life? And it doesn't make sense to you why God would do it. And there may be you still have the question. But God has a purpose behind everything. And he had a purpose for Mary here. She was very disappointed. What is God doing? Do you ever ask yourself that? Why? We all do. We all wonder sometimes why at this time? Why this circumstance or why this situation? And so important for us to understand that God's got the plan and we need to see it from God's perspective. When you're going through one of those times, ask God, what do I need to learn from this, Lord? What are you trying to teach me? Where do I need to go now? Sandy and I talked a few weeks ago about what's going to happen when which one of us goes first. What's that going to look like? And how we're going to deal with that? We deal with it by faith, I hope. Here, Mary also is thinking, why did God allow these evil men to kill Jesus? Why do we see young people killed down in Tennessee or in other schools, children who are soft targets? Paul tells us in Romans 1, it's because of men's sinfulness, the evil that's in our world. We're living in a broken, fallen world that needs Christ. And that he has sovereign purposes behind everything that takes place. You watch the news. I've got more friends that are Christian now that tell me they don't watch the news. It's too depressing. That's when we need to pray through the news. Pray for our world. Pray for the church to make an impact on this world. Because this world is sick. It's sick because of sin. That's what the Bible says. And on Friday morning, we had a Good Friday service at the YMCA. And the word that <clears throat> I preached on was the sixth word of the cross. 
And that is the word telestai. And it means it is finished. And when Jesus was on the cross, the second to the last words he said was not, it's finished, I'm glad it's over. Uh-uh. Jesus was crying out victory. I finished the work, Lord, and it's done now. Now let's, we got things to teach people. You see, because it wasn't a resignation. Jesus was saying on the cross there, the victory that he had overcome. That the sins of our sins were paid for. And on between 12 o'clock and 3 o'clock, it got so dark. And darkness is the, the idea of evil in the Bible. And on that three hours while he hung on that cross, all of his perfect wrath was being poured on Jesus for us. Because what we have there is the satisfaction of, our, of God for the sins of mankind and the justice being resolved. When your sin is forgiven, it's just not petty. That sin was on Jesus at the cross. And he got the wrath of God for all the sins that we've committed. And it was brutal for Christ. Perfect. Never sinned at all in his life. And then on the cross... And he says the last words, which is, my God, my God, Father, receive my spirit. Because at first he yells out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Because God had forsaken him and thrown all the sin of our wrath of God on him at that moment at the cross. Can you imagine what that felt like for Christ? And wow. And guess what the Bible says? Jesus said it was finished. And that, you know, it's interesting. Like Hitler, he came along and said, you know what? He got Christians riled up against the Jews. You know why? He says they killed their Christ. Naive Christians listened to that. Do you know who killed Christ? <laughs> it says in Acts chapter 2. God, the Father, sent Jesus to cross. Predetermined will. And sent the wrath that we deserve on Christ. On that cross. So that we can be free from the guilt of our sin. And that we can have eternal life. It was God who did it. And then we see, here again, it was his sovereign will that Christ experienced that. He said he did it before the foundation of the world. He already had that in the plan. Some of us weep when we lose a loved one. I know, I remember when my uh, dad died. And no, I think it was my mother one of them. But both times I had gotten a chance to say goodbye to them. You know, you take that walk down that hospital floor and you know that's the last time you're going to see them. And I remember when my mom died, <clears throat> we flew out there. 
We had just started the church. And I had to come back because we had a Good Friday service. And I was leading it. And I remember leaving my family there to celebrate Easter with my, our extended family. And I remember laying in the back of that plane just bawling my eyes out. Mom, she's gone forever until I see her again in heaven. But she's gone. And I can understand how Mary wept here. She still didn't think that Jesus had risen from the dead. But we realize that God fulfilled the justification that we need for us in doing this. And Jesus knew her heart, her love and devotion. And these angels try to comfort her. And as she leaves to weep some more, she sees a man. And you see, folks, one of the saddest things about this all, and we don't sometimes realize what our sin really means and how we really need to repent and give it to Jesus because of what it meant to him and the depth of our sin that we are going to be forgiven because of Christ did. And what we find here then is Jesus standing there and then Jesus reveals himself. And that we realize that he'll never leave you or me as a believer. You always have Christ by your side. He didn't leave Mary alone. He's by your side. And it's because of this. She released to obedience and faith. And you see, here, Jesus is a powerful passage because the theology and what it says to us, if you just read it over it, it just kind of, but if you know what Jesus is saying, it blows you out of the water. Dear woman, why are you crying? He asked the same question the angels did. And then Jesus asked her, who are you looking for? So that's the question for all of us. Some of us are looking for all kinds of treasures in life. We're so busy with life that we don't catch it. And we lose a lot. Because we're looking for the wrong things. She's looking for a dead body. She's looking for robbers who stole it. And here is Jesus asking her, Who? It's him. A lot of people in our world are looking for something, but they really need Jesus. And here, John is showing us that we all need this Christ. And at this point, she doesn't see it. I was reading about a little girl one time, went out and was looking for a hippopotamus. And she was looking by it by her house in Africa where she lived. And she finally decided to just go 
sit on a stone in the middle of the water and wait and see if she could find one. Then all of a sudden it started moving. And here she was sitting right on top of the hippopotamus. And guess what? Here Mary is with Jesus. She doesn't recognize him. How many times have you been in situations that you don't recognize that he's there with you? He's by your side. He hasn't let you go. He's right by you. And so he says, dear woman, why are you crying? Who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you have taken him away, let me where, tell me where you have put him, and I will go and get him. She's still believing that he's dead. And then Jesus says this word. He calls her by name, Mary. She knew him personally. And he was her savior already once from taking the seven demons out. And she hears him say, Mary. The Bible says that my voice, they will hear. And they know it will be me. She knew immediately. When he used her name, she realized it was Jesus. And notice what she says. Rabboni, which means teacher. And she is so overwhelmed. Here's Jesus who she came to find and she was afraid that he was dead. And can you imagine what she did? She probably tackled Jesus or tried to. Because look what Jesus says to her. Don't cling to me. About a year and a half ago, my daughter had her first child. And my wife informed me <laughs> that she was no longer going to work and she's retiring and she was going to take care of our grandbaby. Well, for the last year and a half, there's been this little girl who's won our hearts four days a week for eight, nine hours a day. And then all of a sudden, last Friday... <laughs> My daughter went and had another baby. And so her mom and dad are on maternity leave, so they, she didn't need to come over. And I know one guy that one lunch hour, he was missing her. And so I had to go have lunch with her. But then my wife had to bring something over there. And she said, when I got there and she saw me, she ran and grabbed on. And then I picked her up and she would not let go. She had the death grip on Sandy. She didn't want to let her go because they had been buds together. And notice, that's what happens with Mary here. Jesus, who was dead and now is alive, she's holding on and she doesn't want to let go. And look what Jesus says. Don't cling to me. Don't cling to me. I haven't yet ascended to, my fa to the Father. But go find the brothers and tell them that I'm ascending to my Father and to your Father, my God and your God. Here's a powerful passage that Jesus is being shown by John. 
Because Jesus is telling her, don't hang on to me, the physical me. Because Mary, you see, things are different now. I'm raised from the dead. Don't cling to my physical appearance. Don't hold on to me. Because I'm going to send to the Father. And it's good for you. And it's good for the disciples and all those who are Christians that I do that. Because if I stay with you selfishly, physically, you'll never experience the deeper love I want to give you. You'll never experience the closeness that you can have deeper than one you did when you walked with me. Ever have people say to me, I just wish I could have walked with Jesus and just hung out with him. You know what? You've got something better right now. And that's what Jesus is saying. He says, you see, Mary, I have to leave and ascend to heaven so that I can send the Holy Spirit and I can be in everyone's heart who believes. And that I can bring comfort, that they can speak with me and put words into prayers and I can even fix them for them. But I have to leave, so stop clinging. Because I have to send to the Father for this to happen. And that you could receive the Holy Spirit. And then, look what he says, which is incredible to me. I mean, how many of you had somebody betray you? How many of you had somebody sold you out? How many of you, when you needed somebody to stand and back you, all scattered? That's where the disciples. Now, if you were Jesus... Would you say, when you meet them, you bunch of losers, you cowards, you hid away from me? Jesus says, my brothers. This is the first time in the scriptures that disciples are called his brothers. My brothers. And the reason why Jesus says that because the amazing thing is, as at Romans 8, that he's the, first form, he's the firstborn of the brethren. And that now all who believe are going to be brothers with Jesus. And that we're all going to be in his family. And he then goes on. And he says, he makes a distinction that we need to understand why that can happen now. Because he is saying, I have not ascended to my father and to your father, to my God and to your God. And what he's saying here, you see, my relationship with God is different because I am God. And I, as the son of God, am still of the essence of God. But now, you who are a created being, you who were a sinner, and that I've redeemed you, now you can be a son and a daughter by adoption. And that you are God's child. And that God died on the cross for you. So that we can be called children of God. And that we have this family now we're part of. We're part of God's family. And know this, folks, that all that is Jesus 
is yours and is mine. This is what John is showing us here. And that because our brother Jesus went to the cross, got nailed, and rose from the dead, and went and ascended into heaven, now we have this rich deposit in our lives of God's glory forever. That nothing in all of eternity, not even Satan himself, can take away. And then notice, he says to Mary, Mary found the disciples. And the Bible says here, it's very interesting in the Greek, it says, she is so excited because she has seen the Lord. And she gave them his message. She's the first one who proclaimed that message. And how awesome that we were given that privilege and right. When I first came here, there was a sergeant at the time, and he had been working with this lady. I lost contact, and she worked Lower Broadway. And then one day, guess who she met? Jesus. And Jesus turned her life upside down. And she became his child. A child of God. And now she's about ready to retire as an executive of a company where her Bible is always on the front of her desk. And she's been redeemed. She's a daughter of God. And like each one of us, what joy we should have that we are his children and we've been bought with the price of his blood and that he's risen from the dead. Let's pray together. Lord, we just are so grateful for you reminding us today that because of Jesus' resurrection, because of his dying on the cross for us, and conquering death for us. We don't fear it. And that, Lord, where our lives, even the sins that we keep in the secret parts of our souls, are forgiven. And that when we die and we stand before you, that we are going to be seen pure and whole. That blows us away, Jesus. But we thank you that we're called children of God. I pray if there's anybody here, Lord Jesus, that does not know that comfort and assurance, whether they die or whether they live, that they know for sure they're going to go to heaven, that today they can take that grace that you've offered on the cross and they can give all their sins to you as you've paid for them and they can ask you, Jesus, to come in their heart and change them and make them new people. Thank you, Christ, for what a blessed message. In Jesus' name, amen. The night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body which has been broken for you. This do in remembrance of me.
In remembrance of the body of Jesus Christ that was broken for us on Calvary. Amen. In like manner also Jesus took the cup, and when they had supped, they said, This is the cup, the new covenant in my blood. This do ye as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Remembrance of the blood of Jesus Christ that washed away our sins. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the wonderful blessing that we share together here that our sins have been washed away no matter what it was, no matter what we did. It's all gone. And that you have forgiven us and you give us life and help us Thank you to live as your children. In your name we pray, Christ. Amen. Let's rise together and let's sing and receive the benediction. Now the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, your Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be and abide with you all now and forever. Amen. Be I can face tomorrow because he lives. All fear is gone because I know he holds the future and life is worth the living just because he lives.